Well, um, I have a little bit of a cold today, so in case you, I sound a little bit off or I, I have to mute for a second for, for coughing, just uh, that's okay. Um, we're in a collection of talks where we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and uh, we're picking up in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and the title of my message today is Black, White, and Gray. Black, white, and gray. And Paul has some very incredibly practical advice for the Corinthians and how to deal with their gray area. Um, But even more significantly for you in your life in the 21st century that we live in, um, he actually is communicating practical truth that we can apply to the gray areas in our lives. And so full disclosure... Today is going to be so simple and so complicated at the same time. Um, It is going to be um, rewarding, and it may uh, move your cheese a little bit. Um, And so buckle up, buttercup. Paul is likely to offend your desire to have everything black or white. Uh, So if you're in that camp where you're like, man, I just want everything to be black or white, give me an answer, tell me where the rule is, show me the line... Um, he's going to, to frustrate you, um, and, but he's equally going to frustrate people on the other side of the spectrum because they ask Paul for an answer, and he's been talking about it. You remember a couple of weeks ago, well, about a month ago before Christmas, we were talking about meat sacrificed to idols, a.k.a. demon meat, um, and he's going to be bringing that whole answer to a conclusion today, and he outlines, instead of an answer, he outlines attention that he's wanting them to hold. And uh, he's going to tell the liberals that that they're wrong, and he's going to tell the conservatives that that they're wrong. And now when I say that, I just want to be very clear. I'm not talking about like American political liberals and conservatives. So when I talk, when I use that word today, you're not, I don't want you to be like, well, I'm a conservative Republican, or I'm a liberal Democrat. You know, like I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, Please hear me. I'm talking about the letter to the Corinthian church and the gray area that they're dealing with, and we're going to extrapolate some of those things to deal with the areas in your life. So there are those of us in this room that tend towards liberalism. Um, We don't like to be told what to do. (laughs) Anybody in here? No, none of you. None of you. You're like, hallelujah. Yeah, like, they don't like to be told what to do. We don't like to be told that what we are doing might be wrong like that. Don't tell me that. And especially don't label it that S word, you know, sin, by the way. I know what you're thinking. Um, <laughs> don't call it sin because everything is gray or some shade of gray. Paul is going to drive you crazy today. Because if you are unable or unwilling to lay down your freedoms, you may think that you're free, but really you're enslaved to your own desires. Now, in the same way, there are those of us who tend towards legalism or tend towards conservatism, right? Um, And we see everything as black and white. There are some of you in here that you yes. There is very few things in this world that are gray. There is black and there is white. And for those of you, you want to know where the rule is. You want to know where the line is so that you can tow it and make sure that everybody else around you tows the line as well. And Paul is going to drive you crazy today. Because in his mind, legalism is the laziest form of spirituality. 
because it requires no thinking. It requires no processing. It, it requires no... There's no leaning into the mind of Christ. It's like, just tell me what I'm supposed to do so I can do it. And tell me what not to do so I won't do it. So buckle up. Um, we're going to get into 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you'd stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. We're going to start in verse 23. And I, I think because... When Paul wrote this, he never actually ended it uh, with the chapters and verses that, that we have written in there. Um, I think it ends at actually chapter 11, verse 1. So we're going to end at chapter 11, verse 1. It starts this. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever it is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, well, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours, for why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jew, Greek, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for, for I am not seeking my own good, but the the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Lord Jesus, I pray that your word would um, <laughs> offend us, mold us, make us into uh, greater, more intimate followers of you. I pray that today, as you offend some of our opinions that you would draw us closer to your heart and uh, help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Black, white, or gray. So for the Corinthians, the big dividing like issue in their church, and you may be like, this is weird, but we talked about it you know, a month ago or so. The, the big gray issue that was dividing the church, and by the way, they, they usually are gray issues, um, was this. Is it right or wrong to eat meat sacrificed to idols? That was the question. It was a question that was put before the Apostle Paul to referee. He was commissioned to give an answer and an account for, is it right or wrong to eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols? Now, I realize that no one in here has ever dealt with that. You've never wrestled. You've never stayed up late. You've never argued with anybody. That's never been an issue for you of like, well, I am vehemently against eating meat sacrificed to idols or I don't care. That's stupid. You need to chill out. Eating demon meat is cool. That's never been an issue. That's never been a discussion for you. Uh, but, but in the American modern church, we have dealt with our own black, white, or gray issues over the years. I just wrote a bunch. I'm just going to run down through them to kind of jog your memory. Can you play cards? 
I'll remember that. Um, can a woman cut their hair? What about wearing makeup? Is that okay? Piercings. Can you get them? Ears, nose, throat? Is that okay? <laughs> can you go to the movie theater? Uh, what about watching R-rated movies? Except for The Passion of the Christ, you know, because that's the only Christian R-rated movie you can watch, right? Like, what about tattoos? Are they okay? Not okay? If okay, what type is okay? Drinking alcohol. Can you? Can you not? If you can, how much? Can you do it in private, public? What does that look like? Can you intermarry within races? I'm not proud of that one, but that was one. Listening to non-Christian music. Is that okay? And what makes Christian, what makes music Christian in the beginning? Like, how do you even tell? Things that you wear. Can you wear all black or is that too much? What about low cut, high cut, too tight? Smoking. Yes. No, well, cigarettes are bad, but maybe a cigar every once in a while is okay. Like, what, what, politics, <laughs> see, we got a liberal in here. Watch out, you do, security, if you, you, you exit him out, please. Politics, how about politics? Was Jesus a Republican or a Democrat? I mean, I have friends overseas, I have friends overseas that, that are communists. Can you be a Christian? And be a communist? Uh, LGBTQ, can you be a Christian and uh, be attracted to the same sex? What about money? How much is too much? What's labeled as extravagant? By the way, if you won the lottery, see me after. I'll talk about it. <laughs> so when I read this portion of this letter, these are just some of the things that like, have been black, white, or gray issues for the church. When I read this letter, I imagine them, the Corinthian church, listening, because it was normally read publicly. The, as they received the letter from Paul, they would read it to the church. And I honestly imagine it looking a whole lot like when the president gives the State of, a un, of the Union address. Have you ever seen, you ever watched that? That is a hot mess. Um, and the, 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 you get the Republicans on one side and the Democrats on the other. And depending on what, you know, who the president is at that given year, you know, the whole speech is littered with talking points that certain groups want to hear. And so some of the things the president says, the Democrats clap. And some of the times they all clap. Sometimes they even stand up. And then other times the, they, they don't clap and the Republicans clap. And sometimes when you say things like Hitler's evil, and everybody claps because you're like, yeah, we all stand up and clap because we all agree with that, right? And so Paul begins quoting what the Corinthians know very well. He says this in verse 23. He says, I have the right to do anything you say. You notice that it's in quotes. He says, I have the right to do anything you say. Now, pause there for a second, because that is actually eerily similar to some of the things that we say in our world today, isn't it? Like, you do you, live your truth, you do whatever makes you happy, who am I to say? He says, I have the right to do anything you say. And then he continues, verse 23, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. So at this point, the conservatives are standing up and they are clapping, right? The liberals are seated. They are not happy with this. 
Maybe some of the more extroverted conservatives are saying, yeah, that's right, you hippies, you can't just make up your own rules. You have, you have freedom, but it is within guidelines, and here is the line, and you need to tow it, and all of these things, right? Like, and so the conservatives are happy, and, and they're clapping. And just before they can find their seats, because there's always that up, down, clap, 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 Paul smacks them across the face with this in verse 25. He says, eat anything sold in the meat market without raising question of conscience. In other words, he says, go to the market, eat whatever you want, it's just a dead cow. So all the liberals stand up now, and they're like, preach, right? Like, they're like, amen, we can eat demon meat. It's just a dead cow. It's okay. It's not that big of a deal. All you conservative legalists need to sit down and settle down. Go ahead, Paul. Preach. They're excited. And then Paul quotes Psalm 24 in verse 26. He says this, For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Now, he's just rubbing it in because in Psalm 24, that's the prayer that the rabbis would pray before eating kosher food. But Paul is, is praying that prayer over non-kosher food, and not only non-kosher food, but the non-kosherest of non-kosher food, which is meat that had been sacrificed to an idol just the night before. So, so if you're a conservative Jew in listening to this letter, like, you're not only not clapping, you're probably thinking, you are out of your mind, Paul. You are betraying the Torah. Why in the world would you say, well, everything's okay. Just, you don't have to worry about your conscience. Just eat demon meat. It's okay. It's cool. It's not that big of a deal. Paul, you need to pick a side. And this is the maddening part of Christian liberty. Freedom within boundaries. It's this reality that God did not create us as robots to execute his demands. That he gives us something that we call free will. That God has given each and every single one of us the freedom to choose. Even from the very beginning, if you think way back to the Garden of Eden, right? This is how he set up the Garden of Eden. He, you know, has all this garden and he speaks to Adam and Eve and says, like, listen, um, you are free to eat any tree in the garden. But not every one of these trees is beneficial to you. In fact, if you eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will certainly die. And that's not beneficial to you, just so you know. And so even from the very beginning, God designed humanity with freedom. He didn't put a padlock around the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't put crowd fencing around with razor wire to keep us out of going even close or near to the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They, Adam and Eve, chose to follow his word or not. We choose to heed his warning or not. We choose to believe his word or not. We choose to put up boundaries in our life to protect us from things that aren't beneficial and aren't constructive or not. That's the maddening part of Christian liberty. And Paul continues in verse 27. He says this, If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. So he's like, if somebody invites you over to dinner 
and you want to go, you don't need to ask questions about the, the meat. You don't need to say, hey, was this meat sacrificed to a demon? Right? You know, you don't have to say, like, what was its name before it was slain? You don't need to have a happy life. You don't need to, you don't need to ask questions about the meat. It's, it's a dead cow. And at this point, all the people on the left are clapping for Paul. They're like, yes, finally, someone is preaching the truth. They want him to just drop the mic. Like, let's just be done. I'm done. Hallelujah. Looks like it just ended. It's like 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Why do we even read anymore? All you conservatives need to just get over yourselves. The, the liberals are just lapping this up. And then he adds verse 28. But if someone says to you, well, this, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it. Hold up. So if someone says to me, this is demon meat, do not eat it. At which the conservatives start cheering. Maybe they're even screaming, like, once you know better, do better, right? They're all excited because once you know something, then you need to stay away from it. And that's, I mean, they're, they're excited. Finally, Paul has turned the tables on those liberals. And he's just, he's just nailing it to them. Just like, if you know that this has been sacrificed to an idol, you, you should not. You, you should not eat it. However... Paul has a very different reason for saying this. We see it, continuing verse 28. He says, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. So for Paul, I want you to be equally offended, everyone in here. For Paul... He abstains from demon meat, not because it's sin, but because a friend of yours thinks it is. Please don't miss this. Paul is introducing to both the conservatives and the liberals a brand new element into this argument that they weren't even thinking about, that they weren't even asking he is telling the Corinthians, it is more important for you to be pursuing a relationship with someone than for you to be proving yourself to be right. And at this point, I don't think anybody's clapping. I think you could hear a pin drop in the place. <coughs> and he's reminding the Corinthian believers... Folks, you are on mission. You are all missionaries. Someone coming to Jesus is way more important than what is on your plate. And then Paul begins to anticipate all of the questions in the room. I think he, as he's writing it, he's almost imagining him speaking it to the people. Because he, he actually starts voicing some of the questions that I'm sure some of them had as soon as they hear his commentary on should I eat demon meat or not. 
He says it in verse 29. These are the two questions. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? Look, if I take part in a meal with thankfulness, then why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? In other words, what in the world does anyone else have to do with my freedom? Paul is reminding them that your freedom in Christ is not given so that you can simply please yourself. In fact, it's a mark of maturity when we realize that our freedom needs to be balanced with responsibility. That God has set you free for His glory and for the good of others. God has set you free for His glory and the good of others. What do I mean by for His glory? Well, let's read it in verse 31. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What does that even mean? Eating, drinking, whatever I do, the choices that I make about the black, white, or gray areas in my life, how do I do that all for the glory of God? What does that even mean? The Westminster Shorter Catechism actually asks this question, says, what is the chief end of man? And the answer that they've written down there is this, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. What's the chief end of man? Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And I would say that's so close, but I would add one more word, which is this. The chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. Like God's glory, folks, is your joy. When you seek after your own happiness, you only end up more miserable. When you seek after his glory, that's where you find joy. And the world will tell you, like, you just need to do whatever makes you feel happy, do whatever makes you feel happy. Like, but we are more unhappy and more unfulfilled and more unsatisfied in our pursuit of happiness. And he's like, the glory of God is your joy. Please don't miss this, that he is your goal. He is your reason. He is your joy. He is your purpose for his glory. And when we are seeking his glory, we will find our joy. And then it says, not only that, we're, we are set free. We have freedom in Christ, not only for his glory, but for the good of others. Verse 32, Paul says this. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Your freedom is not just for you. Never let your freedom cause someone else to stumble. That's essentially what Paul's saying here, that God has set you free to set other people free, that you have been blessed to be a blessing, that you have been set free, and you should be living your life on mission. And he says, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God, like you are living on mission in front of people that are like you and also people who aren't anything like you. Paul's correcting them. He's like, you thought that you should be asking the question, hey, can we eat demon meat or not? But I'm telling you, you should be asking, how can I live in such a way that others would come to Jesus? That's a better question. 
In verse 33, this is what he says. He says, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but catch this, but the good of many so that they may be saved. Don't forget, I think at this point you could hear a pin drop in this place. Nobody's clapping. Everybody's listening. It's a very sobering moment that Paul is He's not giving anybody their talking points. He's not catering to any special interest groups at this moment. And, and for the people in the room, he is way too conservative for the liberals in the room. He's, he's saying things like, don't, don't eat meat if it might offend somebody else. Like, don't even go into the temple and eat if, it's, if it might cause a brother or sister to stumble. Are you crazy? And he's also way too liberal for the conservatives. I could eat anything? Like, I don't, I don't have to worry about this? Like, demon meat is permissible? Are you crazy? And then he ends with the first verse of the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul refuses to give them a list. He actually refuses to answer their question. <laughs> He refuses to say, well, this is black and, and this is white. Instead, and this is so huge for your life as a Christian, he teaches us how to think. He teaches you how to ask better questions. Instead, he gives us a mindset, the example of Jesus. Because when we follow his example the part of following Paul's example is asking better questions. And I want to leave you this morning with five things, five questions that Paul gives us how to handle the gray areas in your life. So if you're going to write anything down, maybe you get your Bible or whatever like this, I want you to write down these five things. These are five questions for you to ask when you're dealing with an issue where you're like, is this black, white, or gray? And how many of you know those things happen every single day in our life? And we have those questions, whether we ask them out loud or not, is this black, white, or gray? Um, the first one is this. The first question to ask is this. What does the Bible say? <laughs> that should be the first question you ask. Is this black, white, or gray? Well, what does the Bible say? And if I'm honest, there are things that we think are gray areas that are actually black and white. It's in the Bible. Like it literally says it in the Bible, don't do this or do this. And you're like, eh, I'm going to pray about it, I think. <laughs> you don't need to pray about it. You don't need to ask for a second opinion. You don't need to go to another church that will water down the message for you. You don't need to find a friend that will be like, oh, it's okay. You do you. you. You need to either choose to obey it or not. It's black or white. That's the first question. So if you're like, is it black, white, or gray? I don't know. What does the Bible say? If it doesn't say anything about it, then let's go on to number two, three, four, and five. Let's ask those next questions. But if it's in the Bible, you could stop at one. You don't actually have to move on. You'd be like, oh, got the answer. Awesome. That was easy. thought it was going to be like five questions. I can't even remember the first one, right? Like, no. You stop at one. You're ready to go on. Number two. Number two, the second question. Let's say it's not written clearly in the Bible. So you're like, okay, this is a bit of a gray issue. It's not written specifically. Number two, am I strong or weak in this area? Am I strong or weak 
in this area. All of us have areas that we're very strong in and areas that we're weak in. And the devil will tempt you appropriately. And there are some areas of temptation that are not an issue for me, but are a huge issue for you. And there are some areas of temptation that are a big issue for me. And you're like, I can't even, I don't even know why that's even a temptation in anybody else's life. My point is this, know yourself and be wise. And don't take freedoms in areas where you are weak. Let me say that again because I think you need to write that down. Don't take freedoms in areas where you are weak. Like, for instance, I wouldn't start a ministry uh, to swimsuit models. Wouldn't. I could. Could you do it? Yeah, sure, you could. I'd be like, hey, honey, you know, meet Astrid from Sweden. She just got saved. Oh, look, she's already ready to get baptized. It's awesome, right? That's so easy. And this ministry is just like so simple. Now, is, is there a verse in the Bible that says you cannot start a ministry to swimsuit models? No. But you should know your strengths and you should know your weaknesses. And I'll say it again. It is wisdom to not take freedoms in areas where you are weak. And not only that, because it's not only about you, Paul says you have to consider the weaknesses of people around you. Remember? This is the thing that he just all of a sudden introduces, that it's not just about you, it's about everyone that is friends with you and is watching your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says this, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Which leads us to the third question. What builds up the community? What builds up the community? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is constructive. Not everything builds up. Not everything is constructive. So just because you are strong in an area doesn't give you license to do it around people that are weak in that area. So the question is, will this cause someone else to stumble as I exercise my freedom? These are tough questions. They're better questions. Number four, what helps the gospel go forth? What helps the gospel go out? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 33 says, For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Paul is reminding the Corinthian church, you are asking the wrong questions. He's like, if you want to know if it's okay to eat demon meat, but, but I'm forcing you to think outside of yourself, outside of your rightness or wrongness, and to ask better questions. And so Paul offends everybody. He's like, conservatives, you're wrong. Because, because refusing to hang out with demon meat eaters means that you have absolutely no influence for Christ in a world that is searching for hope. You've cloistered yourself and you have nothing to do with other people. And the liberals, you're wrong because you do hang out with demon meat eaters. 
But you refuse to tell them about Jesus Christ and you live no different than they do. And so they're not even asking you for the reason of the hope that you have in Christ. Both sides are wrong because in the end, the gospel is not going forward and nobody is coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Paul reminds them, you are called to be living on mission, to do the harder thing, to stay biblically grounded and radically loving, and to not hold that tension is wrong. Jesus never condoned sin, but his love for sinners was so stinking contagious that people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus, and I think he liked them too. He held that tension. He held it well. See, we get this mind that like missionaries are people that, well, they sell everything and they move to Africa. But can I just tell you that missionaries are people who get up and go to work on Monday. Missionaries are first grade teachers. Missionaries are nurses and software designers and electricians and business owners, construction workers and moms and dads. Like, so when it comes to the gray areas of life, make sure that you know that you are living your life on mission. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to give you five. Just in case you fell asleep, one, two, three, four, you're going to get five. Number five, Paul puts like an exclamation mark on this whole section. Essentially, he's saying, if you want to know how I came to the answer to the question you guys are asking, it's actually pretty simple. And he says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So the fifth question to ask is this, is the action worth imitating? Is the action worth imitating? Like, you want to know, is it okay for me to eat demon meat or not? Is it okay for this? Is it okay for that? Can I do this? Do I have license to this? Is it permissible for that? Listen, there are things that you may have freedom to do, but parents, would you want your kids to do it? <laughs> there are things that you have freedom to do, but would it confuse people that are watching your life? Matthew 5.16, Jesus said, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I just want you to understand, like, if the Corinthian church was here listening to this letter, Paul's life would have seemed so inconsistent. I mean, to the Corinthians, it's like, you need to pick a side, Paul. You are like wishy-washy. At times, you're, gonna, you're eating bacon-wrapped scallops with the Gentiles and hanging out and having a good old time. And at other times, you eat only kosher food with the Jews. You need to pick a side. The reality is that Paul's saying that he would lay down his freedoms 
for the good of his friends. In fact, it sounds a whole lot like another guy I know named Jesus. I want to read this over you. And as I do, I want to just enter in a time of worship and allow, allow God just to be able to not just convict you of, of areas of your life that you have these questions of, is this black, white, or gray, but to just make a decision. Because oftentimes our indecision is a decision. Am I living my life on mission? Let me show you what, what the mission of Christ is and what Paul says about it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What does that even mean? Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the example that you set for us. And as difficult as that is for us to oftentimes realize that Christian freedom is that we can have the freedom to do so many things within the boundaries that are not beneficial and the things that are not constructive. Lord, in, in a world where everything seems gray, maybe, may we ask better questions and take on the mind of Christ. May we follow Paul, his words, to a people with a completely different dividing issue in their world and apply it to ours. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, let's worship.